This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. As always, we're going to get into some stuff going on in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. And I was following the games yesterday. This is going to be probably more of a time-contingent show than we normally do. Looking at the quarterback situation in the National Football League. And obviously, you look at some of the best in the league, the Mahomes, the Russell Wilsons, you know, the, that echelon, the greats like Brady and Breeze, we saw play each other in a game last night. But you get to a certain point, and I've hammered this point over and over again, that it all of a sudden it just gets watered down. And you have a situation like with the Washington Redskins, where they're kind of battling back and forth, trying to figure out who's going to be their quarterback if they're not going to go with Dwayne Haskins. You look at the Dallas Cowboys and the fact that Dak Prescott, quarterback that probably should get paid, probably should be compensated for what he brings to the table, especially now as it's evident what that team looks like without him and how important to that football team he is. You bring in a veteran like Andy Dalton, but once he gets hurt, you're looking at the Ben DiNucci's and the Garrett Gilberts of the world. And you look at the Dallas Cowboys and a what I take out of watching them yesterday is that they played against a very good team, a Pittsburgh Steelers team that's going to the playoffs. At the moment, is undefeated. You know, at some point, they'll probably lose a game, but they're, they're going to be right up towards the top of the American Football Conference when it comes to the playoffs this year. Dallas Cowboys would probably be headed there if they had their quarterback and Dak Prescott. And a game yesterday... Which you could say that maybe the Steelers played down a little bit. Maybe the Steelers didn't give their best performance. But a game that the Dallas Cowboys win absolutely if Dak Prescott is behind center. Now you look at Garrett Gilbert and you you want to give him respect. He is a a second generation quarterback. His father, Gail Gilbert, actually was part of five straight Super Bowl teams. And you think about that as, as far as just being an interesting fact. He was on all four of the Buffalo Bills teams. He was Frank Reich's backup. In other words, he was the third-string quarterback for the Buffalo Bills for four straight years, was doing the same pretty much with the San Diego Chargers when they made the playoffs and went to the Super Bowl in 1995. And you, you saw with Garrett Gilbert, Gail's son, mediocrity. And there were some good moments. There were some good throws. There were some good plays. But you saw nothing that made you think he was ever at some point going to grab that Dallas Cowboys football team and lead it to the next level. And there's a lot of quarterbacks like that in the National Football League. You look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. They decide not to start Mike Lennon with Gardner Minshew out, go with Jake Luton. And there's going to be a lot of these quarterbacks that you've seen play in college and maybe getting a chance to play because they're younger, but don't necessarily bring enough to the table. When was the last time you saw, really outside of a Gardner Minshew, and Minshew has struggled this year. There's no question about it. It's not like Minshew has gone in there and led the Jacksonville Jaguars back to the promised land. 
He looked good last year. He looked good enough to take the job away from Nick Foles. But where are the examples of those young quarterbacks when they get the opportunity to play that are becoming fixtures in the National Football League? Those players, their names are Mahomes and Wilson. And you look at some of the more recently drafted quarterbacks. You wonder about Sam Darnold and the New York football Jets. Jets on the verge of getting themselves in a position where they're going to be tanking for Trevor, may have the chance to get the great Clemson quarterback. And if they do, that means that Sam Darnold is playing somewhere else next year. Sam Darnold was only drafted a couple of years ago, three years ago. Yeah, you look at Josh Rosen, who was taken the 10th overall by the Arizona Cardinals. Played with the Miami Dolphins last year. Of course, the unique situation as you look with the Arizona Cardinals because they finished with the worst record, kind of what the Jets are looking at doing this year or are on pace to do this year. But, you know, you you drafted a quarterback one year, you finished with the worst record in the league, and you go out there and you get the best player who just happens to so be a quarterback. And Kyler Murray is leading that team. Kyler Murray is the example of that quarterback that you draft and you watch all of a sudden take that team to the next level. And he's done that. So you hope with the Jets that maybe you're in a situation where you draft the Trevor Lawrence. But where does that leave a Sam Darnold? Where does that leave a Josh Rosen, who right now is sitting on the practice squad for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? The problem is, is that when it comes to quarterbacks in the National Football League, there are few that have that ability to take their team to the next level. And it kind of bothers me. And that leads me into, I hate to say it, because some people may say this is a lazy topic, but you got somebody that's been outside of the National Football League for going on now four years, and you wonder what it would be like if the guy just got another chance. And I am talking about Colin Kaepernick. When you look at the Ben DiNucci's and the Mason Rudolphs and the Garrett Gilbert's, that are starting games in the National Football League. I mean, think about the guy that played for the Jets last year. What was what was his name? The Jets' third-string quarterback. He came in after Sam Darnold got hurt, and after that, Trevor Simeon got hurt. And, you know, the guy didn't belong on a National Football League field. At least Kaepernick, and I know this is going back a while, at least he led his team to a Super Bowl. At least he played at a high level that was at least considered Pro Bowl standard. And I understand the thing with Kaepernick is going to continue to be the same thing. How much of a distraction are you willing to take on if you're the Dallas Cowboys, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, if you're whatever team would think from a production standpoint that Colin Kaepernick may perform better than the guy you have under center. And if that's the case, I think you have to weigh it out. You know, is he going to sit third string for a couple weeks? You know, you're going to have more media attention for a guy that's holding a clipboard than from a guy that you think is going to have a chance to impact an NFL game. If that was the case, I'd probably lean away from it. But if you're you're looking at somebody that, you know, you have to judge what kind of shape he's in. If he's in good shape, if he still wants to play. And I said this last year. I said this last year when he had that workout. There were so many things that just didn't look right from both sides when it came to that workout he had for National Football League teams. And I didn't, I didn't get the sense that he was ready to come back. I didn't get the sense that that's what he really wanted. 
but also didn't get the sense that the National Football League was really seriously considering having him sign with one of their teams. And that's what kind of get, left a bad taste in my mouth. If he was working out, was this going to be something that somebody was going to take seriously? And it's easy to say. You can say, oh, there's so many good quarterbacks. There's so many younger, more talented players that are picking up the playbook and running with it. That's not happening. And that's the major problem. And the reason that we're going to continue to bring this up, and once again, you can go click this like on this video because I'm talking about Colin Kaepernick. Hey, you know what? At least it's proof that somebody's watching it. I don't see him being that less or that much less than anybody that is playing in a National Football League now. And you know, with the coronavirus and the lack of a, uh, an offseason, the lack of a training camp, the lack of any sort of preseason, you understand that players are going to get hurt. And the most important position on the field is the quarterback position. And if you're looking down the road to say, oh, what happens if, you know, God forbid this quarterback ends up getting hurt, God forbid that quarterback ends up getting hurt. I hate to say it. At some point, it's probably going to happen. And when you look at a team like the Dallas Cowboys that have to go to their third stringer, the Jets last year had to go to their third stringer. You're looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars and some other teams that are running out quarterbacks that you're like, who? But at least with, a no, with no name, you just hope that they can play a little bit. And some of them are embarrassing themselves. And the kid that played with the Cowboys yesterday handled himself okay. But even when the Cowboys were leading, you never got the sense that they were going to be able to win that game. Part of it was the fact that they were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they are undefeated for a reason. The other part of it was you didn't get the sense that they had that, that person that was going to deliver that knockout blow. And it could have been Ezekiel Elliott. It could have been Amari Cooper. Or Michael Gallup could have been somebody on that defense that could have made a, a huge play to put a definitive statement on a victory for the Dallas Cowboys. But they were missing that one player that does make a difference. And the more games that the Dallas Cowboys play without him, the more it's seeming like Dak Prescott belongs with the Cowboys and he belongs with the Cowboys for a long time. And if I'm Jerry Jones... You, know, you make sure you know the, this godforsaken injury heals 100%. You get him back on the field, and you pay him to be the quarterback in the Dallas Cowboys. Now, franchising him and not signing him to the extension hurt Dak very much, very much. But you're looking at a player that really does make that team better. If Dak is playing on the Dallas Cowboys and he's been all season – that team's in first place. That team's not 2-7. and seven. That team's would have won the game yesterday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're not looking at the Cowboys and the Giants and the Redskins all in the same position, barely behind the Philadelphia Eagles. We're not looking at the NFCs being one of the worst divisions in the history of the National Football League. Dak is the difference. And Dak is a much better player than he's ever gotten credit for. Last thing I want to bring up about the NFC East. You know, there's a lot in, you know, the lazy take is just to talk about how bad that division is. And I'm not going to go there. 
I'll leave that for somebody else. You want to want to bring it up. You want to tell everybody something that they already know. But I will tell you, there are very good parts to each one of these teams. And you look at the New York football giants. Daniel Jones, if he doesn't make mistakes, has the ability to be a good game manager. The Giants very slowly are building a good offensive line. They got linebackers. They got some players in that defense that can make plays. They, they just got to build themselves a little bit. If I'm looking at the Redskins, there is not a better front four when you talk about defensive lines than the Washington, the Washington Redskins have with, Trip, with Chase Young and Montez Sweat and guys like that. And then, of course, you talk about the Eagles. And I say it's more intangible. So you think of the coaching, whether it's, you know, Doug Peterson, you know, running that offense. Carson Wentz, who, yeah, is a little bit Jekyll and Hyde, is a little bit up and down when he's good. The fans love him. When he's bad, the fans are clamoring for Nick Foles. But you look at all four of these football teams, and they're all missing something. But if you put them together, and I wonder what would happen if you took the Washington defensive line, a healthy Dak Prescott, Saquon Barkley, a little bit of the Giants and Eagles offensive line, and mix in some of the best linebackers and secondary in that division. If you put together an all-star team in the NFC East of just players from that division, I think that team could legitimately compete for a Super Bowl. Last thing I want to bring up, you think of Breeze and Brady. And, you know, you're talking about two legendary quarterbacks, obviously first ballot Hall of Famers, two of the best to ever perform under center in the history of the National Football League. And anytime they, they match up against each other, the you know, a lot of the microscope and the binoculars and the tunnel vision is going to be focused on them. Drew Breeze had another flawless, nearly flawless performance. And he's a quarterback that when he is on, when he's clicking on all cylinders, he doesn't throw a lot of incompletions. And that offense is just a unbelievable machine that just continues to go and fires on all cylinders. You look at Tom Brady, threw some interceptions, three interceptions. That's not Tom Brady-like. Tom Brady doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's still maybe adjusting to his time in Tampa, but you've seen Tom Brady play well. You're looking at two teams in the Saints and the Tampa Bay Bucks that are probably considered amongst the top three or four teams in the NFC. You want to throw the likes of Seattle in there. You want to throw Green Bay in there. You know, Aaron Rodgers is having a great season. Expect to see both of these teams in the playoffs, especially when you've expanded your format to include a third wildcard team. But I, I look at it like this. I think that these two veteran quarterbacks, as long as they can stay healthy, give their team a distinct advantage. And maybe they're not as flashy as a Mahomes or a Russell Wilson. But I'll tell you this. When they're clicking on all cylinders, you've seen Brady over the last couple weeks when he's got that offense going. It's just so easy for them to get down the field. And when he's hitting receivers in stride and the receivers are running the right routes and he is checking all his different options, knowing he's always going to find somebody open, and then all of a sudden he hands the ball off to Ronald Jones, all of a sudden that offense is flying up and down the field. 
And you saw that with the Saints yesterday with Breeze. Once he's hitting his progressions, hitting his receivers in stride, you're talking about two of the most experienced quarterbacks that the game has ever seen, and obviously two of the best. So I'm looking forward to seeing an NFC playoff picture that's going to include Breeze and Brady, but also you look at you know a star like a Russell Wilson, and you look at some of the other teams, I know somebody's going to have to come out of the NFC East. Maybe it's the Eagles. Maybe it's the Cowboys. Maybe even the Redskins or the Giants. The unfortunate thing, when you watch teams like the Giants and the Redskins play, and you see a lot when you see two teams like that play each other, you know that they are a little bit away, that they're not quite experienced enough, that they're in a position that at some point they're probably going to get a little better, but they're not ready yet. And you see them kind of tripping over themselves in a game where you could say, for the most part, it, it wasn't a horribly played game. You know, Alex Smith looked like he was a little rusty. Looks like he was trying to get some dust off of himself when he came off the bench in relief of Kyle Allen. And by the way, how ironic is that, that Kyle Allen has the same injury that Dak Prescott had, but most recently, as it applies to the Washington Redskins, the Washington football team, the same injury that Alex Smith had with the broken ankle, the same injury that Joe Theismann had with the broken ankle at the same place in the field at the 38-yard line. Alex Smith came in, and you could tell he's rusty. Maybe he needs to play a little bit more. I don't know. But you're looking at a quarterback that didn't make a lot of mistakes years ago when he's playing for Kansas City, even when he was playing for Washington before he got hurt. He was known as a very good game manager, made some very bad throws in this game, and maybe over time he goes back to being that quarterback. But to kind of go back to my prolegomenal point in my panjeric that I'm throwing out there now is the quarterbacks in the National Football League, you got some stars, you got some okay players, and then all of a sudden you got a huge drop-off. A huge enough drop-off where I think they should be looking at quarterbacks that played in the XFL. Josh Johnson, I, I heard, was just signed. You know, looking at some quarterbacks that played for, you know, different types of college teams. And this is where a developmental league would certainly help the NFL. And I know the practice squads are a little bit larger, so you can pick players off of there. But if you're a quarterback on a practice squad in the National Football League, it's hard to imagine you jumping in there and getting in the game shape. And not that it's a worse option than pulling somebody off the street or somebody out of free agency. But I think it has to be pointed out more and more and deeper and deeper the fact that there's a huge drop off the quarterback position in the National Football League and you have players that are playing a position that I don't know if they necessarily belong. And you're going to continue to tell me that it's not worth it for a team to bring in cap. Just give the guy a tryout. Have him work out for you in practice. If the media distraction is too much, you cut him. If he doesn't show you enough that makes you think he can perform in a game, then you cut him. But what bothers me is the fact that we're in the year number four since he hasn't gotten a job in the National Football League, 
And there hasn't been anybody that's given him a chance. Like I said, Garrett Gilbert's getting a chance. Mason Rudolph is getting a chance. Duck Hodges is getting a chance. And I could probably throw out a series of insane names when it comes to quarterbacks that have a job in the National Football League. And this guy's not getting a chance. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights, granted by the World Wide Web and the solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication or reproduction of the use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the passball show, JohnPielli.com and JohnPielli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or use of the program, such as by charging, admission for its showing is similarly prohibited. So if you look under my shirt and you see there's some writing there, it's a picture of Ricky Bobby character played by Will Ferrell in the movie Talladega Nights, saying, if you're not first, you're last. So for those that are focused in trying to read, if you're not first, you're last. Former Astros general manager, former Astros general manager, Jeff Lutnow, continues to try to keep his name relevant. And I'm saying this in the most kind way, to a person that I don't have a whole lot of respect for. Here's a man that, yes, was brought in to the Houston Astros from the St. Louis Cardinals organization with a very intelligent mind, some deep roots to baseball, and ability to build a World Series caliber franchise. And he did that. And he was successful for that, and he deserves all the credit for that. But he kind of comes out like a petulant loser in this situation. He was suspended by Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred, along with manager A.J. Hinch and at the time bench coach Alex Cora, one year each for their involvement or knowledge of the the 2017 sign-stealing scandal in which the Houston Astro players were fully involved in. Now, Jeff now could say that it wasn't his idea. Jeff now could say that he has, he had no say in what's going on. He didn't implement it. He didn't encourage it and was not a part of it. Problem is, this guy holds a very important position in that organization. And to say that he didn't know about it would be insane. And the fact that he knew about it and chose to just make believe he didn't know about it speaks a lot about this man. And when you look at the situation where there was a a Cardinals uh, front office worker by the name of Correa who ends up hacking into the Astros database, probably and maybe indirectly, showed that Luthnow was not the most popular person. I think he has enacted a lot of devious type of activities. I don't necessarily trust him as an honest man. So he is, ever since this decision has been put out, and of course Jim Crane, the owner of the Houston Astros, once the... uh, Uh, the terms and the findings of Major League Baseball were made public and the suspensions to Lutonow and Hinch and Cora were announced. 
Lunau and Hinch were fired by owner Jim Crane. And you could say that he, he wanted to separate himself from it. Major League Baseball found that there was no knowledge of the owner in what was going on here. And they, they threw out or enacted a pretty punitive damage in regards to a penalty against the Astros, costing them four draft picks, $5 million in fines, suspensions of the general manager and the manager. And like I said, the owner takes it a step further and fired both of them. So the reason I'm bringing this up, and you wonder why some rare Jeff Lutnow talk on uh, an early Monday in the month of November, he is actually suing the Houston Astros for a breach of contract. And I understand we live in a sue-happy society. I understand that if you talk to a lawyer and you want to get advice from something, the lawyer is likely to suggest that you file some sort of lawsuit. Jeff Lude now looks even more petulant than he did before. His claim is that he didn't do anything wrong. His claim is that there was some agreement between owner Jim Crane and Commissioner Rob Manfred to best save face for the Houston Astros and their franchise. But I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second here. I'm going to bring up this one scenario and ask you, as a person viewing and listening to the show right now, what would you think if Jeff Lutnow was kept with the Houston Astros, was not suspended for anything that happened in regards to the players and the sign-stealing scandal? We know this was player-driven. It's not to take any responsibility away from the players. Baseball, you could say, did a bad job. But the only way they were going to get anybody to actually provide any information is to not hold anybody responsible, which was a lousy way to do it. You grant immunity to the players, yet the players were the ones that were committing these violations. The players were the ones that were cheating. And you want to throw all that in there if you want to defend the general manager. I'm going to come up with a scenario of Jeff Lute now not being suspended. Let's say A.J. Hinch was suspended. Alex Cora was suspended. They were both fired from their respective jobs. Of course, we know Alex Cora ended up taking a job as the manager of the Boston Red Sox and was fired from that position because he was suspended for what happened in 2017. The year goes by, his suspension's up, the Red Sox hire him back. A.J. Hinch ends up being hired as the manager of the Detroit Tigers. So that's where we get to Luton now. There's been no news on Luton now. There's been no team that has been looking for a general manager or somebody to pair with the executives that they have in their own front office with a Jeff Luton now. And I think Jeff Luton now is upset. He feels like he lost his job. He feels like he may be in a position where Major League Baseball may not be looking to bring him back. Well, if you have any interest, Jeff, in getting back in the game of baseball, you should drop this stupid lawsuit. Because if you imagine this Houston Astros scandal involving the cheating and the banging out of trash bags in 2017, imagine if Jeff Lute now was taking press conferences week after week, month after month, during this truncated 2020 season. How does it feel that your manager was fired? How much did you know about this? And Jeff Ludenow might have been, might have perjured himself for, for the amount of times he was going to be asked about the extent of how much he knew about this. 
So the fact that Lou now holding the most prestigious front office position for any organization needed to be held accountable. Now, was he scapegoated? Absolutely. A.J. Hinch was scapegoated. Alex Cora was scapegoated. Carlos Beltran, who was a, a player, when none of the other players felt, you know, had a deal with any other penalties for what happened in 2017, Carlos Beltran gets hired as a manager of the New York Mets, and because his name comes up in this, and basically the other players threw him under the bus. Let's be serious. You know, the players knew Carlos Beltran wasn't active anymore. Carlos Beltran wasn't playing for any other team anymore. He was no longer part of the Players Association. So it made it much easier for whether it's the Bregmans or the Altuves or the Carlos Correas or the Georgie Springers or anybody else that was throwing Carlos Beltran under the bus. He basically took the brunt of it for all players when he lost his job that he was given as manager in the New York Mets. Now, I'll go a step further, and you better hope that Alex Bregman or Carlos Correa or Jose Altuve or George Springer or Brian McCann, for that matter, no player from that 2017 Houston Astro team gets a job as a major league manager because I'm going to want that future manager fired because Carlos Beltran was, because Alex Cora was, because A.J. Hinch was. Now, Hinch and Cora are back in baseball already holding seats as managers. Beltran, I think Hinch and Cora are kind of opening the door for the possibility that maybe Carlos Beltran does come back at some point. Maybe he's on somebody's coaching staff this year. Maybe at some point he gets hired by a team to be a manager. You, know, you, you want to hope that, you know, in the history of baseball, you look back at him and Wally Backman are the only major league managers to be fired before they ever managed an MLB game. You like to hope that it's not a life sentence for Carlos Beltran, like it may very well be for Jeff now. And I think Jeff now has gotten to a point where maybe he is a little bit desperate. He's watched Hinch and Cora get hired back. He's watching the players that played on the team go through, albeit a 60-game regular season and a postseason, but an entire season without really facing a ton of heat from the fans. They played the majority of the games and just about the whole postseason without any fans in the stands. Might be different this year. I hope it is. Not just to hear the Houston Astros get booed, but just to see fans in the seats again. But when it comes to Jeff Lute now, I think it's a very bad look for him deciding to sue the Houston Astros. A little bit of a recap of the show today. And as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I was thinking about the quarterback situation in the National Football League. Ben DiNucci lasted one game. Garrett Gilbert likely earned himself another start. Now, I thought that was a good team performance by the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. But if Dak was behind center, they would have beaten the Pittsburgh Steelers. That didn't happen. But I look at the lackluster quarterback play when it comes to a lot of second and third stringers in a National Football League. And I wonder about a player that, sure, gets a lot of attention 
And sure, maybe more of a distraction, you know, when it comes to the, the media wanting to ask him a ton of questions than help could be to the actual team that he signs with. But I wonder why a team hasn't looked deeper into Colin Kaepernick. Is Kaepernick too much out of shape? Does Kaepernick even want to play again? Those are very important variables. And if either one of them are towards the negative, then this conversation should be over. But if not, I think from a performance standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, from an ability to pick up an offense in a National Football League, I'd rather see Kaepernick than some of these other guys we're seeing right now. And like I said, that's going to piss people off. That's going to make people watching this YouTube video click dislike in a heartbeat. And I say go for it. But tell me what the value is in some of these quarterbacks you're seeing. You know, you're looking at what, what was the, what was the guy's name for the Jets? And I'm sorry, I'm sorry for not knowing this off the top of my head. But I, I actually want to talk about this player for a second. The Jets last year of 2019, like I said before, lost Sam Darnold because of of mono. Trevor Simeon got hurt in his first start. Luke Falk. Came in and honestly, it couldn't. He couldn't have looked like he didn't belong anymore. And you got Luke Fox all over in the National Football League. You know, Ben DiNucci got a start, and he he looked poor enough in his start that it was decided that the Dallas Cowboys were going to go with somebody different. They definitely weren't going with him. It wasn't about hey, compete hard in practice. Maybe we'll give you another start. No, you're definitely not playing next week. It's going to be up to the two other guys that we have, one of whom we just brought off the street. So when that happens, and I understand we're talking about the third-string quarterback here. You, know, you might as well talk about the ball boy. You might as well talk about, you know, the 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 practice squad, you know, ninth-string, you know, defensive back. I get it. But tell me why a team hasn't reached out or at least granted a practice, had a workout with the team for Colin Kaepernick. And I'm not saying from a racial standpoint, I'm just saying for a uh, just a fair standpoint. And you, and you want to continue to talk about how, yeah, we're we're trying to look out for the best interest of everybody. For a team to grant this guy a workout. Have him work out there in a week, throw some balls, maybe take a couple hits, and at least see what you have. If it seems like the game's passed them by, all right. But you got quarterbacks dropping like flies, and you will continue through the rest of the season. And you tell me why this guy can't get a look. I think it's a little silly. The NFC East, I think the laziest take you could have is that this is a bad division. Records will indicate that it is. But you think of some of the strengths that some of the individual teams have. The Cowboys have good receivers. The Redskins have a good defensive line. The Giants, very quietly, have developed a strong and deep offensive line. And you combine some of the positive traits that each one of these NFC's teams have, and you kind of make a good football team. And when you're thinking about down the road next year, maybe the year after, I I think these teams are going to get a little bit better, particularly Washington, particularly the New York football giants. Dallas, if Dak is healthy and ready to play next year, like I said, 
if Dak played yesterday against the Steelers, the Cowboys would have won. And the Cowboys certainly wouldn't be 2-7. and seven. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Passball Show. We'll be back with you next week. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.